One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. Okay, um, for today in history, we've got a couple things here. Um, first, we have um, in film, the first Harry Potter film, the first film adaptation of, from the book series, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone premiered on this day in 2001. Um, but that was huge, especially because of how big those movies were and how many there were. So, right. Yeah, that's crazy to think 2001, though. But, um, and then, and also going back to stuff from our childhood, the Spice Girls released their debut album uh, on this day in 1996 and sold 23 million copies. This. Albums don't even sell that much anymore. No, no. And those were, those were had to be physical copies. You know, people are going out to Best Buy, wherever they went, and picking up the plastic case with the CD. Exactly. Yeah. Just insane. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast, Chronicling Life in the Peak Entertainment Era. Is the day after the election, 2020, and to this day, they're probably still counting. So <laughs> we will get right into our segments here as a bit of a distraction to the catastrophe that is America right now. Absolutely. We'll get into some different headlines. Uh, first up, some TV news. Uh, Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network plan to revive um, Tiny Toon Adventures and a new series called, I think, Tooniversity or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, and they'll, they'll have both Tiny Toons and Looney Tunes in this series. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, Go ahead. I, think I, I don't know if how much I watched Tiny Toons. I think that may have been when I was really, really young. Yeah, it was had the early 90s because I can remember having a VHS of um, Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. It was like a movie they had. And we used to uh, watch okay. that on repeat. But <laughs> yeah, they've already ordered two seasons of oh, wow. the series. And this comes um, after they already announced a reboot of Animaniacs as well. Yeah, so yeah. Cartoons are getting sort of like revived everywhere. Yeah, Second Life. Definitely. And then over on Peacock, the Saved by the Bell reboot will have a cameo um, from Lark Voorhees' Lisa Turtle. As we all know, Lisa was the only Black character on the show. Um, yes. She was sort of like the rich valley girl of Bayside, um, yeah. high maintenance, everything, which was sort of different for a Black female character at that time. Right. She was like, uh, what's her name? Hillary Banks from right. Fresh right. Prince. Exactly. Um, so there were some questions whether Lark would be appear on the series or not, because we know in the past she sort of suffered with mental illness and is trying to yeah. cope with that daily. So it's good to see that they are planning to incorporate her into the series somehow. So that's good. Yeah, that, that should be exciting. And give me a reason to watch, kind of. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some movie news. Uh, a Vietnam War film has set an all-star cast. 
this indie film called The Things They Carried is based on a book um, mm. about the Vietnam War. And this cast looks incredible. Um, they've got, uh, let me just look so my Tom Hardy, Charlie Hunnam. I think one of the Scars Guards is in it. Oh, wow. Uh, Ashton Sanders, Stefan James. Um, it, it's a pretty stellar cast. Um, no word on protector or anything, but basically this troop of soldiers um, just had to go out and sort of navigate this treacherous war that America found itself in yeah. in the early 70s. So it, it should be interesting. Definitely a, a, a major cast for an indie film, per se. Yeah, that looks, uh, yeah I've heard about that book so much, but I, I, I've not read it, so... Yeah, I, I actually heard about it, too, before I even read about it. I know I've heard it in passing, so um, definitely could be an, an epic film. And then some somber news this weekend. We um, had some celebrity deaths. A lot of random, just sort of like injury industry people passing away. Yeah. Um, the big ones here, we um, lost actor Sean Connery, yeah. um, who sort of defined the James Bond character on screen as well as some as other um, iconic films through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and then we also lost gospel singer Bishop Rance Allen, who many people know <laughs> from memes. Um, yeah. And just like his uh, unique singing style, but um, he had a very storied um, career and um, sort of like a innovator in the gospel scene so i definitely need to look more into him yeah i i'm not gonna lie i thought sean connery was older than just 90. i didn't know how old he was yeah i thought he was way older than that but yeah that's uh it's too bad yeah and it's it's kind of odd it's true you know outside of mine we have not seen him yeah in years so you just sort of Right. forget that these people yeah. are still still around um but his wife had indicated that he had had um dementia late in uh, his life so that was one of the roles um probably led to his passing so r.i.p to both of them yeah right. that wraps our headline segment we'll get into trailer things where we have a few different things that are popping up first up netflix released the first taste of the first project coming from Shonda Rhimes um, as part of her overall deal after leaving ABC for Netflix sometime, I believe it was last year yeah. or so. Um, and the series is a period romance drama called Bridgerton. Um, basically, the eldest daughter of a royal family, not royal family, but a high society family is being you know pushed to wed soon and uh the match she finds they have they hate each other but have wonderful chemistry hmm. um basically and it's all being narrated by julie andrews who plays like a sort of proper gossip columnist who sort of knows all the secrets of these snobby people so okay it, it, it's probably a nice soap drama to get sucked into only eight episodes so that comes out uh christmas day oh wow all right 
All right, the trailers I saw, um, one was for another Netflix thing, and this is a movie slash documentary type thing. It's called Trial 4, and this follows the story of a man named Sean Ellis. Um, he's from Boston, and uh, he's facing his fourth trial for murdering a police officer that he says he didn't do. He was wrongly he was arrested and charged for this and has been serving time, but he is trying to maintain his innocence, his innocence. And um, yeah, he was, he was in jail for 22 years. So it just kind of follows him and the corruption in Boston and the racism in the Boston police department. And yeah, we get a lot of these stories and it's tough to watch because it's kind of scary because you know how quickly it could happen to you, but they are kind of, um, I'm, I don't want to say enlightening, but kind of eye-opening, I think is a better word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that is on Netflix and I am not sure of the date, but it has to be, oh, you know what? I actually think it's sometime this month. It's either this weekend or next. Okay. It comes out. Um, and then r- randomly HBO has a documentary coming out about the Bee Gees and it's called How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? And it just kind of um, talks about the Bee Gees and their career and um, them performing. And since they're all brothers, kind of their ups and downs. And, um, you know, they had a huge career. They wrote so many songs. Uh, but I think that would be interesting to see because, uh, you know, you, I think people probably know Bee Gees songs without knowing that they're Bee Gees songs. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're one yeah. of those groups. Yeah, they're they're huge for like big iconic songs, but I yeah. think their their legacy goes a lot deeper. Even their their writing for other people. Right, is, exactly. It's extensive. So yeah, that would definitely be interesting. And then that one is um it premieres on HBO Max, so HBO's streaming service, and that's December twelfth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of excuse me, a lot of stuff coming this holiday season that yeah, I don't think I was expecting given COVID. But I guess all this stuff was, you know, pre yeah everything. So interesting. All right, we're getting to our binge read nice segment where we discuss um, TV and film we watched throughout the week. Uh, first up, I. Um, finished the season one of Harley Quinn, the animated series on HBO Max, yeah. which was um, previously on the platform DC Universe. Uh, 13 episodes, half hour, basically follows Harley Quinn as she divorces herself from being Joker's sort of right-hand lackey. Um, and yeah. she's set on being the best villain she can be on her own two feet and joining the Legion of Doom. It is hilarious, it is violent, it is witty, um, and it has a lot of heart as well. And they're able to also, I love how they were able to keep the DC universe um, mythos in it as well. So you'll see Batman and the Justice League and all these other characters and their stories align and the jokes hit. So it's a a fun watch. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, I watched, well, I started, I won't, I did not finish all of it, but I watched the first um, two episodes of The Queen's Gambit on Netflix about the, uh, you know, child chess prodigy. And it's really good because it's, 
it's um it follows her from like the ages of a little girl i think it starts out when she's like five or something somewhere around there to kind of a young woman in her early 20s and um it, it's a it's a coming of age tale in a strange way like you got the coming of age tale and her trying to find herself and she's an orphan which is a big part of her story and and just who she is as a person and she also has like a drug and alcohol dependency problem but um then you have that paired with the fact that it's in the 50s and the 60s and it's really interesting and i you know like i said i haven't watched enough to really gather too much but um it you know i'm definitely going to finish it it's it's worth watching so that's what i'll say about it yeah all righty now we'll slide into our open sessions here um this weekend we watched when I say we, my family, us uh, for Halloween, we tuned into the Netflix film His House by uh, Remy Meeks. Yeah. Um, this was a uh, sort of like a psychological horror um, centering on a couple that are refugees to London um, from, I believe it is Sudan or Senegal. I'm not yeah. sure they specifically said but they um, are refugees. They finally get asylum on a probationary period to live in basically the ghetto yeah. um, and sort of qualify to become official citizens later on. Um, and the house that they just happen to be in is haunted. Um, yeah. Something or someone is terrorizing them from their past and it really delves into trauma, especially as an immigrant, um, leaving the only place you've known because of uh, governmental violence to an unknown place that is basically the same thing, uh, just hidden behind policies and regulations and right. microaggressions. It's really good. Um, I really enjoyed it, and it it definitely uh, should be in the indie awards scene. Um, okay. Hopefully, yeah, it's really yeah. Good. I have it in my queue, so I definitely need to check it out. I just uh, yeah, I, I watched some other things. It was Halloween was awkward. I just want to put that yeah. out. It was so it was so awkward with not having kids come around. It was so quiet. It was so it was really strange. And it kind of just happened. It wasn't right. Anything going on? Right. All right. So I watched a couple movies. Uh, one of these movies, the first one I'll talk about, um, is called "And Then We Danced," and this was on Amazon Prime, and it had been in my list for I, I gotta say months. But I remember seeing a trailer for it like way back at the beginning of quarantine and um, the lockdown or whatever, and sh it, it's about it's based in the country of Georgia and it's about, they have this traditional dance that they do. And, and in it, the male dancer is supposed to be very stoic and very manly and very just like her, you know, and mm -hmm. the guy that's trying out for this part in this dance group is he, what well, we learn later that he's gay and uh, he's just a young man trying to like provide for his family, he works a couple of jobs, his, his father left their family and all this. And so it's really interesting to see like um, these different customs in another country and, uh, and, and the dancing and the music was all really good. They clearly were somewhat trained in it, but um, it, uh, it, yeah, it was really, 
and, and once again, it's a coming of age tale, you could say, but um, it's it's interesting to see kind of, I don't know, these portrayals of masculinity in different cultures. Like they're, they're all different, but all very similar. Cause that's what this was, was like, you know, he was being pushed around and kind of say, oh, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not, you know, man enough or whatever. And um, he ends up just kind of dancing his own style. He doesn't get picked, but in a way he kind of proved to himself that, you know, like, okay, that's right, but at least I was me. So it was really good. Okay. Um, and then the second one I watched was on Netflix and it was called The Half of It. And this was kind of a, I'm not sure if this was based on a book or not, but it's kind of a like a high school, teenage, young adult novelish type of movie. And it follows um, a young, a teenage girl who has like a crush on another girl who's popular and dating a football player and then that that's one part but the 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 girl that has the crush is kind of nerdy and she does she writes people's papers for money and this guy approaches her and ask and ask her to write a love letter to the girl that she has a crush on but for him if that makes sense he too <laughs> has a crush on the same girl and then um her her feelings start to seep into these letters and it's really interesting but what i got from it is like i i'm almost 30 years old i am past like teenage stories it it took <laughs> it took a lot of me it took a lot out of me to watch that movie i was just like oh god i don't care like <laughs> yeah that one's been in my queue since it dropped like it looked inter- yeah. looked interesting but i just never never right. got to it cuz i heard it was good but yeah, oh no, it's good, but yeah, I was definitely like, oh, okay, my time for these teenage movies has definitely passed. <laughs> all right, so it sounds like we'll be recommending all these things for you to watch um, in the binge me not. And next, we will get into our weekly watches um, series that we watch each week as they debut one episode at a time on the NOT. First up is uh, episode five of The Good Lord Bird. Um, this was Hiving the Bees, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the title. All right, and then this episode, um, basically, John Cook, who is played by Raphael, what's his last name? I always forget his last name. Like Cass. Yeah. From blind spotting and uh, bad education, yeah, um, and Onion have to travel to the sort of um, meetup place uh, that John Brown's army is going to sort of convene before they plan their attack on Harper's Ferry. Right, and basically Onion's been tasked with the job to spread the word to the other colors in the area to sort of hype them up, gather them um, to join the army. But unfortunately, they get into a little roadblock and ultimately have to push the attack up a day. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was really good. I thought it was um, uh, kind of... <laughs> You can tell it's a filler episode for what's coming next, but it wasn't yeah. boring. We still right. got, it still gave us a lot to 
kind of digest and um, move the story along at a good pace. And I thought the introduction of John Brown's daughters was good. And um, that neighbor, boy, she was, oh, I hated her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. A lot. Yeah. They had handled her pretty well, but then, like, it, it didn't work. And right. Mary was a mess, too. Huffmaster, she could have gone somewhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, along with that, we got, um, as you as you mentioned, we met John Brown's daughters, who um, the main one, Anna, or Annie, uh, was played by Ethan Hawke's actual daughter. Yeah, looks just like Uma Thurman. Yeah. Just yeah. like exactly, um, <laughs> many, many recognize her from Stranger Things season yeah. three. Um, she sort of takes Onion under her wing, and Onion uh, realizes that he is very fond of Annie. As she's like the first romantic female he's encountered, right. um, and, and at pivotal moment of the story, he sort of reveals himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And um, gives her a kiss and runs away. And maybe in an alternate universe, they would be together, but not not here. I right. thought that was really funny. Um, and I really enjoyed the conversations between Onion and Orlando Jones' character, the rail man. Yeah. And those scenes were so good because it kind of had him like in the shadows and almost gave him a creepy kind of vibe. But Right. Was, yeah. Um, I don't know if he gets enough do justice but Orlando Jones is an excellent character actor oh yeah and that yeah you hit it right on the head because he pops up in so many random things and yeah he is a great character actor yeah he's amazing um and basically he he's supposed to round up the local negroes and with that with the plan push up today he he's not sure he can do that in that amount of time um so it'll, it'll be interesting. We all know how John Brown's story ends, but I'm interested to see how things come close together and then ultimately just sort of right. fall apart. Um, I think we have four more episodes of this. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Wait, which number was this? I think this was five, I thought. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think there's too many left, but I guess we'll see. One, two. Oh, no. So there's just two left. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which makes more sense. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then we had the second episode of HBO's limited series, The Undoing, and this was entitled The Missing. Um, so as we left, Grace Frazier, played by Nicole Kidman, um, finds out that her husband is the suspect of this woman's murder. Yeah. Um, he's climbed the, the rinks to main suspect after she's unable to contact him on his uh, medical conference and this episode she gets more facts and basically she was placed in the dark on a lot of things um she's become sort of like a a pariah at the school drawing media and whispers and stares so yeah they basically tell her girl let the nanny pick him up or whatever (laughs) 
which was so cruel, but yeah. Um, and this episode, we learn a lot more uh, about her husband, Jonathan, yes. and his um, basically involvement with this woman in the past. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this episode? It, w- it was, uh, how do I say it? Like, it, we got a lot of information, but I won't say it was a good episode necessarily. Something about the pacing of this show seems way too quick. Now, it's a limited series, so they have to get a lot of information to us in a short amount of time, but um, this one almost seemed like rushed. Yeah, it kind of hit her all at once. Yeah, yeah. And And um, her just walking around New York aimlessly kind of got on my nerves. Yeah, just like these (laughs) weird shots of her just like, oh, yeah. And I, um, I, I, the, the the cops now they're purposely asking her these questions like this, but every scene right. with the cops has absolutely pissed me off. I'm just like, yeah, I can't stand it. Cause like the way they question her and yes. obviously she doesn't know, but they're yeah. grilling her as if she does. It's just really weird. And and then all of a sudden they show like some sort of compassion once everything's revealed. But yeah, like you don't. Yeah, it's it was it's so it's so much and it doesn't seem um it doesn't seem I don't know necessary, I think is is what yeah. makes it so awkward. It's just like why are they grilling her like this? We don't know anything. What do they know? It's just kinda like eh. Yeah, it kind of fell out of the blue. Right. Um so basically we learned that um Hugh Grant's character, Jonathan, one first of all, he no longer works at the hospital as an oncologist as he um, was hit with a disciplinary action hearing which she ultimately knew about vaguely but there was more developments um so he was fired and the fire was kept under wraps white privilege yes and it so happens that the person accusing him of this inappropriate um, interaction is Elena as her daughter was one of his patients and I couldn't when they showed him kissing her was that her memory of it or as as in Grace's memory of it or I I think she was imagining it I think she has because she kind of did in the first episode where she kind of imagines things so okay yeah I, I I don't know because that was kind of throwing me off because it happened twice like yeah. that and then like the actual death of elena like we right, saw right. happening so it's kind of throwing me off because then she started seeing her around and stuff and it's just like okay yeah yeah she's tripping uh, so basically he had an affair with elena and um tried to cut it off but then she wanted more um, and I, I figured the whole sponsorship of her child at Reardon was part of that. It was like some yeah. type of blackmail thing. And then he said she became obsessed. So she's at the school and then she's on the uh, auctioning committee with Grace and at the gym. So it was all too much. And he says he, they argued just like a Matlock episode. They <laughs> argued and then they had sex and then he left and he went back to see her and she was dead. Like he didn't do it. Yeah. Um so he's a yes. prime suspect. And yeah. 
ultimately Grace doesn't believe him and she episode ends with her calling the police um, to come get him as he is a fugitive on the run. He's been at the beach house this whole time, right. which she goes to to sort of escape the media and police. Yeah, it's it was just so it's just a lot all at once. I thought we would have gotten more of Elena before the death, but maybe not since the limited series or Yeah. And then the whatchamacallit thing didn't seem realistic. The, now Nicole Kidman's character and Lily Rabe's character are supposed to be close friends. I feel like she would have told her that she's taken her husband's case. Right, at least say that. Yeah, just like but, oh, that's like mm, okay, yeah. that's a whole that's a hole in this story. That doesn't make any right. sense. Right. And they're these women are not friends. They're like no, not at all. <laughs> frenemy associates or something. Cause it's just it's very maybe Lily Rabe's like her closest friend, but everyone else feels very performative. So I don't know. Hello? Yeah, I know. I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So we'll see what happens in episode three. Um, also, I detest when they have these white kids just cursing out their parents for. Oh, God. Yeah. And then just no walking away. Yeah. It's, it just doesn't make sense. Like sometimes it works in the story if there's that sort of animosity, but just like in casual conversation because you're upset, it just doesn't. It's so extra. Yeah. So we'll return to NOT next week with those two episodes. Um, and finally, which brings us to our future presentation, where we are revisiting our second stream around series with season two of Hannibal. Yes. Um, we covered season one a few episodes back. We're now in season two, and we'll be discussing episodes one, two, and three. So. If you don't remember, season one ended with the arrest of Hugh Darcy's Will Graham as he's being accused of murdering um, Abigail Hobbs as well as a few other people um, as they believe he may be the Chesapeake Ripper. Yeah. So the first episode is entitled Kaseki. Yeah, I hope I'm saying that right. And it's a traditional multi-course Japanese dinner, a collection of skills, techniques that allow the preparation of meals. Western hot cuisine. Um, I just love the way they they titled all these these episodes. It's yeah, after meals and different yeah, and stuff. extremely yeah. clever. And then the guest stars of this episode are Cynthia Nixon, Jillian Anderson, and Jonathan Tucker. All right, so um, I forgot to get the one second. All right. <laughs> I'll be right with you. I want to be able to read the episode log lines just so we can get a gist of what's happening, just in case we don't go like step by step. Um, the synopsis for this episode is, workers make a grisly discovery, bodies discarded in a river, creating a soupy crime scene for the Behavioral Analysis Unit 
to decipher. Hannibal Lecter assumes Will Graham's FBI duties, since Will is in the psychiatric uh, asylum for the criminally insane, assisting on the case while Will sits in the Baltimore State Hospital for criminally insane, awaiting trial for the very murders he's investigated. All right, so this episode opens with uh, a fight scene, which is a remarkable direction of choice, I think. Um, yeah. And basically foreshadows what's to come. Um, as Hannibal is in the kitchen fixing a meal, Jack enters, and it's it's basically the definition of on-site. Like, yeah, he does. Yeah, he throws that knife at him. He's like, damn. Yeah, they get right to it. And before the fight gets any further, we jump back, I believe, like 12 weeks prior. Yeah. Prior to this. So it's definitely um, 12 weeks earlier, as Jack is a, a guest at Hannibal again. But this is simpler and kinder times. Um, and Hannibal quips that he, I never feel guilty about eating anything. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of little lines like that throughout the show that you just kind of have to. Yeah. Listen for creep up right on you. Um, and then we get Cynthia Nixon. She's guest starring as I guess the head of internal affairs at the FBI. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Um, and they are looking at charges of misconduct against uh, Jack Crawford and Lana Bloom for Will's alleged descent into murder. Yeah. Um, I just I always get annoyed at how quickly and urgently they switch on will just yeah there's like it's night and day yeah like total just total belief that he did it lie no other suspects and you think they'd be a little bit smarter given the pedigree of their profession but right and then we get to the murder of the week um these corpses in the river these murders get creepier <laughs> every time they do though yeah every time um definitely something very strange is going yeah. on and we finally get introduced to Jillian Anderson's Bedelia Demore this is Hannibal psychiatrist and um it's a very interesting scene as they're discussing sort of like his kinship to Will yeah. Um, and he describes that he's obsessively intrigued. Because um, we know as Hannibal, the viewers know that he's a sociopath and they're usually incapable of showing emotion or sustaining right. relationships beyond, you know, themselves. Right. Um, but some reason he's, he's drawn to Will. And Medelia um, asks, why is he your friend? She also asked, what can't you oppress Hannibal? Which, another key quote of this uh, episode. Right. Um, next, Hannibal and Will finally meet. And Will describes that he is no longer you know, lost mentally. He's clear-minded. So um, it's, it's a different Will that sort of, that we're experiencing. Right, right. It's um, one. First of all, when I started this, for some reason, when we started the first season, those episodes came back to my mind like nothing. Even though right. the last season I would have watched would have been 
season three. But these, I was kind of like, I was, it was like I was watching it for the first time again. And it wasn't until like the middle of the episode that I was like, oh, okay, I know which way this is going. But the tone of this season is so much heavier and so much darker than the first Yeah, season. incredibly heavier. The first season definitely felt more like a police procedural, you know, right, like right, case right. solve, case solve. And this one is definitely more headier um, yeah. and darker. And you're right. I forgot so much yeah. of season two. So watching it, even like certain things I should have known, I was like, oh, right. I was like, oh yeah, that does happen. So def- it was a joy to watch. Because um, I wouldn't, I swear, I was like, wait a second, Cynthia Nixon, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I totally forgot she was in this. <laughs> like, I was like, huh? Right. Um, so we get, uh, Hannibal finally meets with Will again, um, and Will, again, we've mentioned is in prison in the asylum for criminally insane. Right. And he, right now, has taken on, uh, Dr. Frederick Chifton, Chilton, as his therapist. Um, but he asks to consult with Dr. Lecter so he can prove his innocence. Right, right. Elsewhere, um... With Hannibal joining the team in Will's absence, um, we get this interaction between him and Beverly Katz as she takes his DNA just for, you know, basic, I guess, records or whatever. Um, And she mentions to him, you're not a suspect, you're just the new Will Graham. Um, And we get into the murder of the week, as you'd say. it's revealed that someone's making like human models. Yeah, the, he's like filling the people with the silicone or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we see him um, sort of in action briefly on a train. Um, and he's like obsessed with skin tone and right, being right. pure and everything. Um, and eventually we witness sort of him getting his next victim. Right. Um, but first we, we revert back to um, Bedelia and Hannibal. Um, there's obviously something more than just client psychiatrist relationships going here, going on right. between them. Because right. um, Hannibal mentions, you're not just lying for me as Bedelia speaks about about their past um, and that gets revealed later as well. Um, we then switch to another male-female relationship, Alana and Will. I, watching this season, I wasn't completely sure, but I don't know if they shortchanged the Alana Bloom character a bit. Yeah. I, I can see where you, you mean. Because she, I know she's a competent psychiatrist and she knows what she's doing, but the way they handled her falling for Will and then eventually like falling for Hannah, it was just sort of like. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, They she wasn't as, because she started off so focused on her job and what she was doing and yeah, to, to turn her into just kind of this, woman that's in love is kind of like okay yeah they yeah, ask kind of a down point for me yeah. um when she's begging will to sort of just plea insanity as she she's looking at the evidence as well and sees him as being guilty um right. 
and Will finally recalls a repressed memory after hearing of hearing Hannibal's voice. Right. Um, so this is definitely key to the case. Um, and Dr. Chifton, Chilton, I keep saying Chifton, I don't know why. Chilton um, plays an important role as Will's, I guess, adjacent therapist. Um, he's listening to everyone's conversations, which I don't know what he's supposed to be doing, but yeah, he does that anyway. Um, and then we have the scene with him and Hannibal at dinner. Um, and he makes a quip about having to watch his protein because yeah. of what happened to him with uh, Gideon. Kidding, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's when we come to the uh, murderer getting his next victim. Um, this was sort of a crazy scene. Yeah, um, wait. Hold on, we're on episode two now, right? Are we? Oh, not yet, not yet. Just, yeah, just yeah. about. Yeah, yeah we're just, almost there. Yeah, almost there. And we'll glide right into it. Um, we see the uh, the car alarm going off and mm -hmm. the open trunk. And if you just see a random car going off, why are you going up to it? R right. Like no. Like, just, I mean, I guess curiosity, but it usually, like, it's not your car. It's, it just perplexes me. But um, a black guy, you know, he's drawn in and he's hit over the head, dumped in, in the trunk and whisked away. Um, and it turns out they're, he's like injecting them with heroin. Yeah, to kind of numb them and keep them subdued. And I, yeah. I think it's supposed to kill him. Right, which um, we discover as episode two opens that it doesn't quite kill him all right. the right. way. Right. Um, Beverly goes to visit Will to get help with this case, and he does his sort of thing um, and discovers that the victim is creating a color palette. Yeah. Um, which is sort of amazing uh, that he can, I mean, it's his job, but how he can still do this, even in his predicament of right, yeah. being imprisoned. Um, and we finally get another uh, repressed memory. Um, Will realizes that Hannibal had non-invasively placed Abigail's ear down his throat yeah. after basically making him comatose just unable to react um stuck in time and we get the um our killer's victim awakens <laughs> in a silo of bodies yeah. um which was creepy as hell yeah i think he's supposed to be like recreating an eye or something correct yes yeah um because as we get into episode two which is entitled Sakazuki, um, we do discover that he's like created an iris to sort of look up at God. Yeah. Um, awesome. In some sort of awe-inspiring portrait. Yeah, episode two is entitled, as I said, Sakazuki. And this is the appetizer similar to the French amuse-bouche. The second course sets the seasonal theme. So second episode, second yeah. course. 
Uh, the BAU team narrows in on the origin of the discarded bodies from the Subi crime scene, working to discover the killer's artful plan while Will Graham begins an artful plan of his own from within the asylum. So as we said, we get the, the episode picks right off, picks up right after the first episode ends. And I think that's sort of like the first time that sort of happens. I yeah, that kind of continuation. Yeah, more like a literally like a previously on <laughs> right. thing. Um sort of like that subsequent way. But he awakens alive, which um he wasn't supposed to, and he attempts to escape this sort of human tapestry he's been sewed to. And I couldn't ignore how much this looked like a runaway slave. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like running through fields and trying yeah, it was very odd and the guy had perfect timing to just happen to come back when he was trying to get away exactly um and he almost gets away but unfortunately him leaping off a cliff to escape in the next by river he knocks his head against the rock rocks below killing himself instantly so um they eventually recovered the victim's body um and hannibal can smell corn yeah forget his heightened sensory abilities um he smells corn in the body that helps him pinpoint the location of the killer and the other bodies um at this farm um excuse me elsewhere uh will sort of meets uh dr bedelia no not yet will continues to speak of his innocence and Bedelia releases Hannibal as her patient as she states that you are dangerous. <laughs> Jillian was acting in this. Yeah, she was. Like, she didn't have very, very many lines, but right. her delivery of, like, this uh, methodical fear she has of Hannibal, um, it, the tension, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, Jack finds out that Bev is seeing Will and basically plays ignorant because she's not supposed to be doing that. So right. he he advised her to just continue that so he can help with the case. Um, and Jack himself is struggling with the guilt over Will's situation, admitting that he's failed um, another agent, as we'll see later. Um, but they find the... Um, I guess hideout of the killer and Hannibal takes it upon himself to get there a day early. Yeah. And just happens to um, kill the killer. Sort of like admiring his work and everything, but he just can't resist from from, uh, meddling in the investigation. (laughs) Yeah, because doesn't he get up on the top of the silo or something or? Yes. the guy sort of, I guess, is at work. He climbs yeah. a silo and says, hello down there. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I admire your work. Like, what? Yeah, and you know, as soon as that happens, it's over, because he's in right. a killer tunic. Um, and yeah. Um, so Bedelia uh, confronts Jack um, about Hannibal and instructs that she 
she can only see Hannibal if she's feeling secure emotionally and she's not feeling secure. What a line. Yeah. Like, secure emotionally, like, that's... <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, they discover a new body in the artwork and through Will's um, investigation, he realizes that there's something off about this latest, vi- latest victim and he expresses, mm-hmm. um, you are not my design. A mm-hmm. total left from his usual, this is my design quip. And they realize the killer is in the, in the mural. Um, yeah. uh, we discover that the FBI wants Will to plead guilty so they can just sort of rush through this rigmarole of a case because it does not look good for him or the organization as a whole. Right. And uh, Bedelia pays Will a visit on her way out and just basically tells him, I believe you. Um, so it's later com- just basically confirms for Will that he's not crazy, that something did happen to him and Hannibal was responsible. Right. And um, Hannibal planned to take Bedelia out himself because he felt she was getting too too loose in their relationship and he discovered that she's already left the country. Yeah. And that leads us to episode three, Hassan, which is a tray of tidbits from Mountain and Sea Guests that uh, a tray of tidbits from the mountains and seas and guests shared uh, amongst themselves. Hmm. Um, the guest stars in this episode are Laura Jean Korostecki, and she yeah. plays Freddie Lowndes. Yeah. Um, her in that hat. I will get to her <laughs> part in the court, but Jesus, man, her outfits. <laughs> and I, I really don't know why they dressed her like that. I don't know if that's from the book. Yeah, I don't know either. Or they wanted to give her like a like a 50s reporter investigator take, but it was yeah, just that's so, what it that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's so odd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this episode is Will Graham's trial begins when a copycat killer starts rec- recreating crimes similar to those Will is accused of committing. Even Will's strongest detractors are forced to reconsider the case against him. Yeah. So yes, his trial begins. Um, and Will, his episode opens up with Will in the electric chair, uh, but he also sees himself as the executioner, sort of giving, yeah. you know, his state of mind, um, just, just sort of like unprecedented experience here. Um, Ab- uh, trial begins, Abigail is presumed to cease, and they assume he, that she was one of his victims as well. Um, Jack is planning to testify for the state. Another, like, about face. I just, it just baffled me that they didn't give Will a chance um, at all. But he he eventually comes to his senses somewhat and sort of bats for Will on the stand. Um, that's when Will's lawyers receive a package in the courtroom. And it is an ear. Yeah. 
So this is assumed to be sort of like a gift wrapping from the real Chesapeake Ripper just to cast doubt on the premise that Will killed Abigail Hobbs as we know that he uh, regurgitated her ear last season. Yeah. Um, we also um, get that um, Jack is contemplating retirement um, and miss everything going on with Will, um, the way this looks for his career and the way his wife Bella is suffering with this cancer. Um, yeah. He just wants to get away from it all, which is explainable, understandable. Yeah, understandable, yeah, definitely. Um, and we have an interaction with Will and Hannibal um, again, and he Will quips, accusing you makes me look insane. I'm not insane anymore. Um, so Freddie Lyons takes a stand for the prosecution because this bitch hated Will from the beginning. Like, yeah. she never trusted him at all. No. Um, and she ends up lying during cross-examination. Yeah. So we're not here for her. No, not at all. She's her character is so unlikable. It's yeah, it's very unlikable. And I don't know, it's probably done on purpose just because oh, yeah. she's she's sort of viewed as this sort of um thorn in law enforcement's side, like a rogue reporter, no rules, um, no morals. So she's definitely looked upon as being beneath them. Um, Alana's being prepped for defense for Will, and they're going to have to talk about the relationship, which is a law. Don't have sex with your coworkers. Yeah. It's it's going to tamper with everything. Um, but before she can testify, they find the bailiff dead. Yeah. He's shot, isn't he? Or yeah, I totally well, forgot all about this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like these these episodes hit me like they were brand new. I was like, okay, hold on a second. Let me let me go back and see if I missed something. Cause yeah, cause this episode he's found shot and burned alive um, with some crazy contraption. Cause like he opened the door to his home and the house just went burned to flames or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then his body was sort of prepared um, like the street killer. So again, another misdirection from Will's uh, guilt. Um, and then Hamble decides, you know, his God complex steps in and he wants to take a stand instead yeah. of Alana um, to save his friend and to give a reasonable doubt but ultimately, his testimony is stricken from the record. So, what does Hannibal decide to do? Kill the judge. Hannibal. <laughs> they come to the courtroom the next day, and the judge is hanging from. Is it like hanging like uh, the Lady yeah. of Justice? Yeah, because he has his eyes uh, covered by his tie or something and then like yeah his brain and his heart are on the scales and yes yeah, yeah it was complete, it was complete yeah. craziness i think and we said it before and we you know broke down the first season that 
as gruesome as the killings are, the posing of the bodies are always kind of artistic and you kind of look forward to it. Like you could tell when the janitor was cleaning that you're like, okay, he's about to see something. Right. And then um, when they revealed it, it's kind of like, oh, wow, what a masterpiece. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so at these three episodes, which one is do you think is your favorite? Uh, I'd have to say probably number two just because when we finally see this, when we start to get the breakdown of what all these things are, this little, this weird thing in the, uh, the silo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Episode two is really good, especially that opening scene. Yeah. Because I don't think we've ever felt um, a victim's desperation like that before. Right. Right. In the series, usually the victims are already dead or, you know, it's tense. Yeah, very tense storytelling and directing, um, especially for broadcast television at this time. So yeah, yeah episode two is, is definitely up there. All right, so next we will tackle episodes four, five, and six. Um, like we said before, the season was like watching it for the first time again. I, yeah. I completely forgot a whole bunch so much. Of, of stuff. Um, I, I forgot Jonathan Tucker was like a part of the story. Yeah. And of course he was because he, you just don't put him in there and he appears like one time. Right. So, right. so yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, what are you streaming for the weekend? Okay. Um, Netflix has a. Uh, oh, God. Yana. Netflix has a documentary, oh, a documentary movie about um, a tomb in Egypt. And this is called The Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb. And um, it follows a team of archaeologists who kind of, they go in and they excavate um, never before like tombs and places where there are mummies and all that. And uh, it ends up being one of the most uh, significant finds in Egypt in the last 50 years and I don't know this this always this stuff always blows me away because you know America is such a young country we're just like over 200 years old or whatever technically much the land's much older but like Mm -hmm. Egypt and that part of the world they've been around for forever so you you know how many of these things are under the ground that they just haven't found yet so right um, but yeah I plan on watching that this weekend okay for me, I'm planning to finish season one of CBS's All Rise. Um, I got it on, excuse me, Amazon Prime about the first season because I wanted to watch it because I missed missed it when it regularly aired. And it returns November 16th for season two. So I'm going to try to knock it out. It's a legal drama starring um, Simone Missick as a, a lawyer who's just now become a federal, uh, not federal, a judge in California and Los Angeles. So um, it, it's pretty good, basic like TV fair, but trying to support more broadcast series, especially ones right. with leads of color and trying to tackle new um, progressive ideas and um, topics. So that's why I hope to be streaming and finishing this weekend. All right. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and review our podcast on Apple and all other available platforms. And after the episode is over, get additional content via our website, streamablelife.wordpress.com, and follow AS Life Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
and Tumblr. Thanks for listening and always keep on streaming. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of It's a Streamable Life. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts and all other major platforms. And for more content, follow us on our socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at AS Life Podcast.